Guys, it's Friday, October 25th, 2019, and welcome to this week's edition of the Freets, uh, of the Freets, oh wow, Jesus, I'm tired, <laughs> this week's edition of Fritzcast, 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 you know your name, you know your own name, damn it. I am tired. That's it. It just it happens. Working, working midnights, working overtimes. You get a little. Uh, you get a little tired. All right. You lose track of days sometimes. Sometimes I go into work thinking like, what? What day is it? What day is it? Is it, is it Monday? Is it Tuesday? It's a day that ends in Y. I know that much. <laughs> so, how y'all doing? <laughs> Had a uh, not a jam packed week this past week, uh, but we did have Emmy's uh, one month checkup in which the doctor had said, and I quote, "This baby's perfect." And I said, "Are you sure?" Um, <laughs> because just because I know that child comes from me and my wife, and we are we uh, perfect people. We is not, but uh, that's that's perhaps the only baby update I have for you this week is that. Uh, that she passed her one month checkup. She's she's happy. She's healthy, uh, and she's got her latest dose of uh, vaccinations. You know, there's somebody out there cringing, going, "Oh, I can't believe he he uh, hurt his baby by vaccinating them." And to those people, I say, "Wow, you're stupid." That's what I say. So I haven't updated the uh, database blog yet. Uh, so my aunt and all those people who I say are normally angry with me for not uh, staying on top of it. They're probably angry at me again. But uh, it was just, you know, it was one of those lulls in the week where I was like, I'm not sure I know what to write about. You know, you just don't want to type nonsense. So uh, there's still time in in this week and the weekend left. So we can, we can see what happens with that. I'm not saying one's going to get posted, but you can keep your eyes peeled. Why not? It'll be good for you. Uh, I am looking forward to next week, though, man. Uh, the the bed that my wife and I have is a queen queen size bed. We bought it when we first started dating, some nine to ten years ago, and uh, and so that's how old that mattress is. And I think the recommendation on changing mattresses is a is roughly ten years, I think. Um, 
So we went to the furniture shops and uh, we looked around. We did our research. We really hit the research on this. Uh, We really felt like for the first time in our lives, even though we have... um, even though we have a child now, <laughs> and we've done some of the other adult milestone things like buying a house and signing your life away and uh, getting a personal loan to consolidate debt and signing your life away and getting a new car and signing your life away and having a baby and signing your life away. Um, there's there's lots of signing your life away when you're an adult. Uh, without a shadow of a doubt, there's lots of it. And it's never ending because something else will pop up in which you sign your life away. Uh, just come to terms with it and get over it. That's how that's how life works. Uh, but that being said, we went to our favorite furniture shop. It's a it's a local shop here. Um, it's American Signature Furniture, in fact. And surprisingly enough, in my nerdiness, when when I come across interest on something. Um, I was having a debate with somebody, well, not a debate, a discussion on Facebook with somebody who, who, uh, what was it? I had put out, I'm looking for mattresses and all that, and, and they responded, you know, what millennial goes to a furniture shop to buy furniture anymore? I bought my futon and my bed set on Amazon. And you know what? You know, that's great. You can do that. You know, the, the, the thing with technology the internet and where we are as millennials is the fact that uh, we have like supreme innovation and uh, and uh, progression at our fingertips. Uh, your parents didn't know what it was to just go online and order a mattress and have it delivered and have a ninety day guarantee to try it out and then return it. All right, your parent, our parents didn't have that. You went to the furniture shop, you laid on a mattress, and you found one that you thought was good after laying on it for 10 minutes, and, you know, that's how it worked. That's how mattress buying worked. I I presume, at least anyway, I don't know. That's how we bought our first mattress nine years ago. We went to stores and laid on mattresses. Nowadays, nowadays, you know, these the, the mattresses that are prominent now are things like Casper Mattress. Casper, avocado, ghost bed, nectar, uh, purple. Uh, most of them are foam. Most of them are expanding foam. Most of these are what they call bed in a box, where your mattress is shrunk down into a box that's roughly, you know, slightly less taller than I am. So it's like maybe I'm six foot two. So the box itself is maybe five five, maybe six foot. And uh, you can get the box, you can pick it up in a store, you can have it delivered to your house, whatever. You open up the box, you roll out the mattress, you wait a couple hours, and the mattress will have formed to mattress size. And within 24 to 46 hours, it fully expands to be the size of the mattress that it's supposed to be. Which is amazing devil technology, right? That's That ain't right, that's the devil. <laughs> but... Look at that big ass mattress. Where'd you buy that from? Oh, it came in a box. <laughs> came in a box and shipped right on my doorstep. I didn't even go anywhere to pick it up. Wow, really? Shocking. But uh, you know, so we did a lot of research into Casper, into Purple, uh, Nectar, uh, Ghost Bed. Uh, there's literally tons of other ones. We were looking at Ashley Furniture ones. 
that are Ashley Furniture brand. And uh, we found an American signature brand called Dream in a Box. And uh, we went into the shop. They have all the Dream in a Box mattresses that they have. They're set up. You can test them all out. We did that. We test them out for a good long while, too. Uh, with Emery with us, of course, with a baby with us. So, you know, the, I, I guess the sales guy was looking at us like, you guys are definitely trying to go all in on a bed. You know, take your time, lie down, spend 15, 20 minutes on them. Who cares? And that's what we did. And we, while we were doing that, we were looking up prices on our phones and checking out other things. And then, you know, it struck me lying on this mattress. I was like, you know what? This mattress is pretty comfy. And uh, long story short, thanks to incentives and being longtime customers there and all that, we got the we got a, a, a brand new king size mattress and a uh, one of those electric adjustable bed frames. Uh, and it's all coming on Tuesday. It's all coming on Tuesday, and we figured out. Me, my wife and I figured out we're uh, you know we're full blown adults now because only full blown adults could be super excited for a bed to come. <laughs> For setup, you know, and, and that's the other thing too. It's it's like a fully serviced setup with no extra fee that I had to pay for that. So the 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 delivery guys are gonna come bring that stuff into the bedroom and set it up. And I just I could not be more excited for a bed. And that sounds so nerdy to me. So nerdy. I got a couple more weeks to go through uh, for work, and then I'm going to be off for a couple of weeks thanks to parental leave, which is just a, it's a godsend. Um, really, really feeling blessed and, and taking advantage of uh, what's at my fingertips there. And it'll be nice because I can, you know, go to Thanksgiving for once. I mean, I'm on 12 to 8 now anyway, so holidays for the first time in a long time are opened up to me. I'm very excited for this year, um, but thanks to the parental leave, I'm taking all those holidays off anyway. So, yeah, you can make it work for you. <laughs> you make it work for you. It's bonding time with my child. Damn it. So I was trying to think of what I wanted today's podcast episode to be, and the thing is is that the most prominent, prevalent thing in the news is the impeachment standings of Donald Trump and we go so back and forth with this. There's so much commentary, so many different angles that you can get on that. That uh, it, it's truly, I can't even stomach really tackling that subject day in and day out again and again. Especially because I think a, I think a big portion of it is is literally just just a ruse. I think a. I think that uh, it, it, there's a lot of politically expedient things going on. Right now, there's a, it's a hell of a lot of uh, advantage for the media to be able to rock on this uh, day in and day out and keep spinning stories off of it. Um, the only thing I got to say, the only thing I got to bring up is uh, something that Joe Biden said. This is the best thing. When you've had somebody who's been in politics, who's been in the political sphere since like the 70s, you're bound to pull up just either complete 180 audio of an opinion that was way different for them back in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s. <laughs> That's And Joe Biden, often the subject of it because out of 
most everybody running. Joe Biden has the most political experience out of all of them. Uh, he's he's been in politics for that long, and uh, it was actually it was regarding impeachment, just not you know Donald Trump's impeachment. This was just more in the '90s. Do you remember there was a president in the '90s who got impeached? Do you remember? I I mean I was I was in diapers at the time. No, I wasn't in diapers at the time. Maybe I was. I don't know. I I forget the exact year that it, that it was going on, but uh, and I probably should put some background context to this too. I can't remember if it was Donald Trump or somebody talking about Donald Trump, but they had said something along the lines of Donald Trump is facing a a, a modern day lynching, and people lost their shit because of the connotations of the word lynch. And what it meant. And then somebody dug up this gem from Joe Biden in 1998 talking about Bill Clinton and the impeachment proceedings against him. It seems to me that the process is being demeaned. And I have great faith in Henry Hyde, but old Henry better get on the job. Because unless he figures out how to corral this, no matter what happens, even if the president should be impeached, History is going to question whether or not this was just a partisan lynching or whether or not it was something that, in fact, met the standard, the very high bar that was set by the founders as to what constituted an impeachable offense. Do you believe... That was him on CNN, Wolf Blitzer, back in 1998. But there was others. There was, like, Representative Gregory Meeks, and there was uh, Representative Danny Davis who condemned Trump for talking about it being a lynching, but then these are also these guys talking 1998 about Bill Clinton. Little did, it, little did I expect that 10 months later I would have to cast a vote that was certain to become one of the most important in my life. I intend to vote against each of these articles of impeachment. My reasons are neither partisan nor do they reflect my distaste and dissatisfaction with the president's behavior. Instead, my votes are a protest against an unfair process. The inequities in the impeachment process have been glaring. The Republicans started with Whitewater. They found nothing. Ken Starr then went to Travelgate. He found nothing. He looked at Foulgate. He he never released documents. In fact, he made no effort to publicly admit to the lack of evidence against the president. Instead, he developed relationships with the Jones legal team and with relationships with the Jones legal team and withheld this information from the Justice Department. Rather than disclosing the bias to this bias, his bias to the proper parties, Mr. Starr was now and others to set up the president. What we are doing or what we are doing here is not a prosecution. It's a persecution. And indeed, it is a political lynching. The rep- oh, that was Gregory Meeks who... Gregory Meeks, who tweeted out on October 22nd, I don't expect Trump to be sensitive to the weight of the word or see how insulting and hurtful it is to invoke it here. I do expect Republicans to not even dare defend this language. I do expect this administration to comply with our constitutional right to issue subpoenas. The political lynch. And then uh, following up that, Danny Davis. I call this the nightmare before Christmas. And the American people find it difficult to believe that here we are on this day talking about impeaching a president who just came back from the Middle East almost with a peace accord. This is not about impeaching Bill Clinton. This is about trying to roll back the clock 
This is about impeaching affirmative action, impeaching women's rights. This is about taking America back rather than moving it forward. I know how I'm going to vote. My people have told me I will not disregard the people who elected me. 70% of them have said to me, protect the president. Vote to keep this president in office. So I will not vote for this nightmare before Christmas. I will not vote for this lynching in the people's house. I will vote against these resolutions. So is that a case of uh, uh, when it's us and it's happening to us, we're right when we say it and you're wrong or what? You know, there also are different things at, at, at play here. Bill Clinton's impeachment, yeah, a tiny bit different than Donald Trump's. And Donald Trump, well, the, from the minute that he got sworn into the presidency, the Democrats have wanted to remove him from office at all costs, it would seem. And I'm saying that, mind you, if this is your first time chiming into the program or whatever, I'm saying that as a guy that does not like Trump, uh, has many policy disagreements and philosophical disagreements with the man and think that his character is just pure shit. (laughs) I'm saying that as a guy who could really, I could care less if Trump does get impeached and removed from office or doesn't at this point. Uh, But from the start, the Democrats, at all costs, have been clawing to find something. Whether it was the Mueller report, and then when it fell apart, it goes to this thing, it goes to that thing, it goes to the Ukraine call, it goes to this, it goes to that. He's buddies with Putin, yada, yada, yada. You know, there's a lot of dirty rhetoric that goes into politics, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, too. Uh... That, uh, I mean, it becomes such a game. It becomes such a game. And you get these long and drawn out things like these two, these two things about how the, 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 these two clips about in which one of the reps had said that this, that it was a crusade against Bill Clinton and against, uh, affirmative action and against women's rights and all that. Just digging out all the stuff that it wasn't about. It was about Bill Clinton lying and Bill Clinton having inappropriate sexual relations which yes I know lots of our politicians are guilty of that but we we really should as Americans we should be demanding better in our institutions that are running this crapshoot of a government right now the rhetoric can get pretty vile in fact over this past week one of the biggest bombshells that happened on the interwebs on Twitter specifically, but but on social media, was that apparently Hillary Clinton did a podcast. She was on a podcast in which she was asked about this election cycle. She said some ridiculous things, too. She says, she says things like she would consider getting back in the 2020 race if it wasn't for Joe Biden running. If Joe Biden wasn't in, Hillary would be all in. Um... And what's what's even more baffling is that so many people are actually behind that. They're like, yeah, let's do that. Let's have Hillary go again. When um, I don't know why you want a do-over of the 2016 election. You know, I don't I don't understand it. I really don't. Um, that being said, Hillary Clinton 
said this of uh, Tulsi Gabbard. I think it's going to be the same as 2016. Don't vote for the other guy. You don't like me? Don't vote for the other guy because the other guy is going to do X, Y, and Z. Or the other guy did such terrible things. And I'm going to show you in these, you know, flashing videos that appear and then disappear and they're on the dark web and nobody can find them. But you're going to see them and you're going to see that person doing these horrible things. They're also going to do third party again. And I'm not making any predictions, but I think they've got their eye on somebody who's currently in the Democratic <laughs> primary and are grooming her to be the third party candidate. She's the favorite of the Russians. They have a bunch of sites and bots and other ways of supporting her mm -hmm. so far. And that's assuming Jill Stein will give it up, which she might not because she's also a Russian right. uh, asset. Agent, yeah. yeah, she's a Russian asset. I mean, totally. And so they know they can't win without a third party candidate. And so I don't know who it's going to be, but I will guarantee you they'll have a vigorous third party challenge in the key states that they most need it. There is nothing weaker than Hillary Clinton, I've decided. There's nobody weaker than Hillary Clinton. Somebody who just cannot. You know what? Before the 2016 election took place, we were told that not accepting a re election results was dangerous. That not respecting the democratic process was dangerous. We were told that because of the because of the rhetoric that Donald Trump was spewing, but since then, rhetoric like this goes unchecked. Unchecked. Completely unchecked. And that's dangerous rhetoric. That's dangerous to our democracy. Hillary Clinton smearing somebody like Tulsi Gabbard with no evidence whatsoever, just words, no evidence, talking about disparaging third-party voters as well. These people are out of touch with the American public. These people are out of touch with reality. And Hillary Clinton is just... I. There's no other way I can say it. She's just bitter. She's just a bitter person over all this because you'll remember she tweeted out that picture of herself as a little girl and she said happy birthday to this future president because she was so sure she was going to win. So was the media. So sure that she was going to win. There must be something wrong here. Despite the fact of all that, I've said it once and I've said it a million freaking times. The voter margin difference between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump was 3 million. It was 63 million, I believe, to 60 million. 3 million votes is not a landslide. 3 million votes, that's... To me, it's so freaking arbitrary to bring up that minuscule number on the grander scheme of things. And all the Democrats are hung up on that. All the Democrats are hung up on that. Thankfully, people have come out to defend Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard went on a, on a just a beautiful tirade against... <laughs> against Hillary Clinton in a series of tweets that um 
I wonder if I should read or not. Well, let's do it. She said, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, in a three-tweet thread, stated, quote, Great, thank you, Hillary Clinton. You, the queen of warmongers, embodiment of corruption, and personification of the rot that has sickened the Democratic Party for so long, have finally come out from behind a curtain. From the day I announced my candidacy, there has been a concern. There has been a concerted campaign to destroy my reputation. We wondered who was behind it and why. Now we know. It was always you. Through your proxies and powerful allies in the corporate media and war machine, afraid of the threat that I pose. It's now clear that this primary is between you and me. Don't cowardly hide behind your proxies. Join the race directly. Boom, bitch. But guess what? Hillary has so many devoted followers, almost as disciple cult-like like Donald Trump. Yeah, I said it, cult-like. Don't hang to the word of every single... Don't, don't hang to every single one of these words of these freaking politicians that you worship for whatever reason. I don't know what Hillary Clinton has done to garner worship from you. But if, you're, if, you, if you think that her comments... That I just played. If you think their comments are worth merit, get out of here. Get out of here. She's not even in this race. But she's trying to set things up because of money and because of power and because of the weight of her name. Get out of here. Get out of here. Andrew Yang chimed in saying Tulsi Gabbard deserves much more respect and thanks than this. She literally just got back from serving our country abroad. Pete Booty Judge came out and rushed to her defense. Marianne Williamson said, quote, the Democratic establishment has got to stop smearing women it finds inconvenient. The character assassination of women who don't toe the party line will backfire. Stay strong, Tulsi Gabbard. You deserve respect and have mine, end quote. We even have comments from... Our friend Bernie Sanders. Bernie. Fritz, it's great to be back. It's great. I'm glad that we worked over the thing from last week and, and weeks prior to me, you know, uh, uh, violating the sanctity of your home. I'm very glad to be here and discuss things with you. Well, I appreciate that, Bernie. I'm glad that we could iron out some of the uh, uh, uncomfortableness that you've sown in my home. I very much am. Why don't you tell people what you tweeted out about the this this uh, Hillary Clinton Tulsi Gabbard thing? Yes, well, uh, I, you know what I said is uh, Tulsi Gabbard has put her life on the line to defend this country. People can disagree on issues, but it is outrageous for anyone to suggest that Tulsi is a foreign asset. And you know what I mean? You know, before you know, and, and, you know, at the same token, this is why back. In the 2016 election cycle, I talked about Hillary Clinton and how why we should be wary of her. I warned people about this back in the 2016 election. The corruption of the of the of the real of the of the Democratic National Committee of Hillary Clinton. You know, I I I, I brought all this out before back in uh, 2015, well, 2016. Well, Bernie, I want you to I want you to pump the brakes. Just for, you didn't win 2015, 2016. You said you were going to fight on the floor yes. of the DNC against Hillary Clinton, against this corruption. Yeah, that's And then 
you, you folded like a lawn chair. You gave I, up. I, I didn't fold like a lawn chair. I mean, what, what, what are you talking about, fold like a lawn chair? Look, 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 look. Uh, Hillary Clinton, at that time, she had more superdelegates than I could ever hope to imagine. That's just that's just part of the establishment. That's just part of how the Democratic National Committee works. It's part of the corruption. It is corruption. I agree. What could I have done? I mean, what would what what would you have wanted me to do? You know, uh, Bernie, I just would have wanted you to put up more of a fight. Like you said, you were going to fight on the floor of the DNC. You said you were going to do it, and then they called you, and you stood up, and you said, uh, you said, uh, yeah, you know, I vote for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I, I, but I, I explained what was going on. I explained what was going on then, and I explained how I had to do that. I mean, what, 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 what would you want me to do? You, you want me to run as an independent? Yeah, I mean, you're, you, you are a freaking independent, dude. You're not, you're not a Democrat. I am a Democrat. I am a, well, I'm, uh, granted. I was elected as an independent senator from Vermont. I get that. But I'm using the platform to run for president. What don't, what, I mean, what don't you Why get about that? Why not just run as an independent? You always brag about how you have such high donations from actual people and not super PACs and all that. You have a lot of money, don't you? Super, yes, I get a lot of money from the people. Yes, I have a lot of money. Yes, I do have a lot of money. I, you know... Shit. What? I'm just, I, yes. I get a lot of donations from actual people. I don't get them from corporations. I don't get them from super PACs. I don't get them from Hillary Clinton. And I don't get them from Democratic National Committee corruption. If you know what I mean. Well, while I got you uh, on the subject of money, would you like to talk about your book sales or uh, your three homes? I gotta go. See you next week. Dodged a Medicare for all bullet there. The point is, is that Hillary Clinton went off the cuff. No evidence. Complete smear of Tulsi Gabbard. Libertarians like to argue about this because, you know, libertarians look at Tulsi Gabbard and they say, she's a socialist, just like the rest of the Democrats, which her domestic policy is literally virtually the same as any single one of the Democrats up on the stage because they all have the same policies, except for Elizabeth Warren, who has no plans. In fact, I wrote a little ditty for you. Let me, uh, let me um, just, uh, you know, the Wizard of Oz, Scarecrow, you know, you know him, you know that character. If you, if I only had a brain, so. I wrote this uh, little parody called If Liz Only Had a Plan, a parody, of the, a parody of The Wizard of Oz written by me. I could answer every question at every media session. I could truly make a stand. I can't make these decisions, how to pay all these provisions if I only had a plan. I can fake it till I make it. The media will take it until the president I am. Avoid all the details so my campaign can never derail since I don't have any plans. Ooh, he's a writer. Aside from Elizabeth Warren, who has no plans, Joe Biden, who's against Medicare for all and has building off of the ACA and Obamacare, Pete Booty Judge, who wants Medicare for those who want it, you know, other than that, they're all the same. All right, Tulsi Gabbard's Medicare for all uh, and a a ton of other progressive policies that – as a libertarian, I don't wholly necessarily or even like or agree with. 
Her foreign policy is like a is like a home run though, like a like just a grand slam, if you will. But we can't talk about that because she's a Russian asset. Because apparently we could just sling around accusations around here that are baseless. Granted, I say that somebody's listening in that doesn't agree with me. They're on the left side of the spectrum. They're like, this guy's not criticizing Donald Trump. Donald Trump's a douchebag. You're right. He's done it before. It doesn't mean that we should continue engaging in it or fuel more of it. Just say it. But all this, all of this really is speech, though. And that blends into the topic that I really wanted to touch up on. Uh, Because Facebook was again called to Senate hearings to sit in front of the Senate. And uh, another charming individual that constantly makes their face known in the airwaves is uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And uh, I wanted to play this clip from the Mark Zuckerberg hearing, and I wanted to just expound on it a little bit. So let's play it, and we'll go from there. Uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, what year and month did you personally first become aware of Cambridge Analytica? Uh, I'm not I'm not sure of the exact time, but it was probably around the time when it became public. I think it was around March of 2018. I, I could be wrong, though. Mm-hmm. When did Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg become aware of Cambridge Analytica? I, I don't know off the top of my you head. You don't know? Um, did anyone on your leadership team know about Cambridge Analytica prior to the initial report by The Guardian on December 11, 2015? Uh, Congresswoman, I, I believe so, and that some folks were, were uh, tracking it internally. And you know, I, I Actually, as you're asking this, I, I, I do think I, I was aware of Cambridge Analytica as an entity earlier. Mm-hmm. I, just, I, I don't know if I was tracking how they were using Facebook specifically. When was the issue discussed with your board member, Peter Thiel? Uh, Congresswoman, I don't, I don't know that often. You don't know. This was the largest data scandal with respect to your company that had catastrophic impacts on the 2016 election. You don't, you don't know? Well, Congresswoman, I'm sure we, we discussed it after it, uh, after, after we were, were aware of what happened. Okay. Um, You announced recently that the official policy of Facebook now allows politicians to pay to spread disinformation um, in 2020 elections and in the future. So I just want to know how far I can push this um, in the next year. Under your policy, you know, using census data as well, could I pay to target predominantly black zip codes and advertise them the incorrect election date? No, Congresswoman, you couldn't. We, We have, even for these policies around the newsworthiness of, of mm-hmm. content that politicians say and the general principle that I believe that... But you said you're not going to fact check my we, ads. We have, if, if, uh, if anyone, including a politician, is saying things that uh, can cause, that is calling for violence or uh, could risk imminent physical harm or voter or census suppression mm-hmm. when we roll out the census suppression policy, um, we will take that content down. So... So you will, there is some threshold where you will fact check political advertisements. Is that what you're telling me? Well, Congresswoman, yes, and for specific things like that, where there's imminent risk of harm. Could I run ads targeting Republicans in primaries saying that they voted for the Green New Deal? Sorry, I, I 
Can you repeat that? Would I be able to run advertisements on Facebook targeting Republicans in primary saying that they voted for the Green New Deal? I mean, if you're not fact-checking political advertisements, I'm just trying to understand the, the bounds here. What's fair Congresswoman, game? I, uh, I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. So you don't know if I'll be able to do that. I think probably. Um, do you see a potential problem here with a complete lack of fact-checking on political advertisements? Well, Congresswoman, I think lying is bad, and I think if you were to run an ad that had a lie, that would be bad. That's different from it being, uh, from it, from, for in our position, the right thing to do to prevent uh, your constituents or people in an election from seeing that you had lied. Um, so we can, so you won't take down lies or you will take down lies? I think it's just a pretty simple yes or no. Congresswoman, uh, in- I'm not talking about spin. I'm talking about actual disinformation. Well, yes, in most cases, in a democracy, okay. I believe that people should be able to see for themselves what politicians that they may or may not vote for so are you won't take judge them their down. character for themselves. So you won't take, you may flag that it's wrong, but you won't take it down. Uh, Congresswoman, it's, uh, it, it depends on the context that it shows up, organic post, ads. Okay. One different. question, one more question. In your ongoing dinner parties with far-right figures, some of who advanced the conspiracy theory that white supremacy is a hoax, did you discuss so-called social media bias against conservatives, and do you believe there is a bias? Uh, Congresswoman, um, so I don't remember everything that was in the, send in, in the question. That's all right. I'll move on. Can you explain why you've named The Daily Caller, a publication uh, well-documented with ties to white supremacists as an official fact-checker for Facebook? Congresswoman, sure. We actually don't appoint the independent fact-checkers. They go through an independent organization called the Independent Fact-Checking Network that has a rigorous standard for who they allow to... Uh, to serve as a fact checker. So you would say that white supremacist tied uh, publications meet a rigorous standard for fact checking? Thank you. Uh, Congresswoman, I would say that we're not the one assessing that, that standard. The International Fact Checking Network is the one who is setting that standard. I don't get Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and in fact, some of this scares me because I, I, I don't think sitting representatives like her, I can't stand her line of questioning. This has happened more than once in, in her time sitting on these panels and, and being able to ask questions. Uh, you, you'll notice twice there she, she did this kind of like she asked a very long, weirdly phrased, uh, odd question. And when the person tries to get context from, from the question that, that she asked when they ask for clarity. She goes, oh, never mind. I'll move on. And it sounds like she's saying, oh, you, you're just too stupid to answer the question, so I'll go to the next one. I don't really need an answer for it. Um, it's very, very dumb, number one. And number two, when she's talking about, is Facebook going to fact-check political ads? Like, you know, Facebook... This is a big social media and and freedom of speech, freedom of the press, you know, and and how this works. It's a very big touchy subject. There's there's actually there's a constitutional amendment on it saying that Congress shall make no law uh, abridging the freedom of speech. Uh, believe it or not, um, it's there. It's in the Constitution. Um, my God, but. Uh, 
let me just say personally, like I'm not Facebook to me. It's not their job to fact check a, an ad. It's not their job to fact check a political ad and it, take take even political out of the whole ad thing. Products get to get to make ads every day across radio, television, and everything, where they have testimonials of people who have quote unquote used this product and all that. And maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Uh, but you, you can watch the ads and then you can conduct your own research and determine whether or not there's truth to it or not truth to it and whether it's something that you would want to engage in or not. Politics is the same way. Politicians are the same way. They do ads. They have lies, misconceptions, uh, skewed facts in ads and videos. I mean, you know the funny thing about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Go to her PolitiFact page because they've... uh, They've rated several of her statements, all right? And in fact, I can give you a brief summary of the statements that they have rated from her. Number one, on Amazon paying full-time employees so little that they require government food assistance, which is only half true. Uh, 70% of Americans believe in improved and expanded Medicare for all, which is only half true. Uh, she said $21 trillion in Pentagon accounting errors Medicare for all cost $32 trillion. That means 66% of Medicare for all could have been funded already by the Pentagon. False. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, in her defeat of Republican Representative Karen Handel, Democratic challenger Lucy McBeth, quote, was outspent 5 to 1. False. Uh, quote, just last year we gave the military a $700 billion budget increase, which they didn't even ask for. False. Uh, oh, here's one that's finally mostly true. Uh, quote, in New York City, for every one person experiencing homelessness here, there are about three vacant apartments. There's truth to that one. Then she has a pants on fire one about unemployment. Quote, unemployment is low because everyone has two jobs. Unemployment is low because people are working 60, 70, 80 hours a week and can barely feed their family. Pants on fire. And then the final one that they have for her, Quote, ICE is required to fill 34,000 beds with detainees every single night, and that number has only been increasing since 2009. False. So I find it really funny that somebody whose overall PolitiFact rating is about the same spectrum as Donald Trump's. I find it funny that he or she is talking about Facebook needing to take responsibility for, for ads. That are uh, that that could spread disinformation. Really baffled by that. But then there's just the subject of how far should social media go in policing speech. And I defer to a former head of the ACLU on this one. Here's the clip. Social media have been called upon to censor hate speech, and they've tried to do so, but with no more success than any other uh, attempt at censoring hate speech by governments throughout history and around the world. Hate speech is not a recognized legal concept in the United States, which is why I use the air quote. That said, speech that conveys a hateful message 
along with speech that conveys any message, may in a particular context be punished if it directly causes specific imminent serious harm. Many people are surprised to learn that the First Amendment only applies to government, so social media literally have their own free speech rights to decide that certain voices and messages should be excluded from their platforms. I understand the moral satisfaction of calling for suppressing ideas that we hate, but experience shows that censorship does more harm than good. Countries around the world, including comparable democratic countries in Europe, Canada, Australia, and so forth, have been censoring hate speech for several decades. They have not been effective, most ironically being used to suppress the rights of marginalized individuals and groups. And not surprisingly, a very large coalition of civil liberties and civil rights organizations have been complaining to Facebook for years that it has punished as hate speech their advocacy of equality. For example, the Black Lives Matter movement on behalf of the pipeline protesters. Anybody who is objecting to government policies is disproportionately censored as engaging in hate speech. A more effective response to any idea we hate or consider hateful or dangerous is not to silence it, but to refute it, to explain why. A compassionate approach is much more effective than an angry, hostile, demonizing approach. Social media make it much easier to deploy hate speech, but counter speech is also more easily uh, disseminated. What is the lesser of two evils? Would we rather trust ourselves and our fellow citizens to ignore and rebut messages that are hateful? Or would we rather trust either government officials or powerful corporate entities to take those decisions away from us? I'd say the lesser of two evils is making our own decisions. I was shocked that that came from a former head of uh, the ACLU. Really, really shocked by it. But food for thought for you, because this is becoming more and more prevalent with the government seemingly bringing in these CEOs of Facebook, of Twitter, Google, what have you, and questioning them about their policies, which these are, mind you, these are entities that provide service to, to us on the internet. This, the, the internet is the free, open, super information highway. And more and more, the government's trying to find ways to constrict freedom on it. In my opinion. So keep that in mind and, and, and think about that for a little bit. Guys, that's going to do it for me for this week. I'm glad that you tuned in. I'm glad that you listened. If you like this, do me a favor. If you're listening on iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts, as it were, drop a review there. Uh, give me a give me a generous amount of stars if you think I deserve them. All right, it doesn't have to be five. It could be four. It could be three if you think it's a, a three star show. All right, if it's a two star show, eh, maybe don't even bother. You know, you know what I'm saying. I'm just saying, but d drop a little rating, maybe maybe a couple of quick lines. What, what you like about the show? Do the same if you're on Spotify, uh, whatever your podcast catcher is. If there's a way to review, please, please, please leave a review. 
Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at FritzQS, F-R-I-T-Z-Q-S. And you'll see it says FritzCast Podcast. Welcome to the flock. Join us all. We make memes and do crazy stuff. Facebook.com slash the FritzCast for the Facebook page, which is growing in popularity over the last couple of weeks. Glad to report that and excited to report that. In fact, and if you need to get in touch with me directly, it's fritzcastpodcast at gmail.com. Remember, I love you all, and I'll be back next week to see what subjects we can talk about. Peace.